And hello, everybody. How are you today? Tuesday's at two-ish. 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 But um, it is Tuesday. It is Tuesday. And gosh, man, I feel like it's maybe been a month or something since we've done this. Yeah, it feels that way. It's been a minute. So we're glad that you're here. If you are here, if you've forgotten about us, and if not, and you're like, oh, yeah, those guys. <laughs> well, we're back. The Tuesday's at two-ish, guys. So Somebody just turned off their computer. Guess what? You know what Tuesdays are. Martes? Taco Tuesday. <laughs> yes. Taco Tuesday. I had just got back from eating tacos with another youth pastor. Did you have two or more? I had three. Oh, three on Tuesday. They're only a dollar. Where is this? Uh, it was pretty far away by the Tri-County Mall. <laughs> what what place down there? I can't remember the name, but it was good. <laughs> it was a good, good taco place near Tri-County Mall. I'll look it up. I'll tell you. <laughs> In case you want to know, in case you're in the area. I do go down there sometimes. Taquiera El Monarca. Yeah, well, I was thinking that was probably it. Really? You've been no, there? No. Oh, it's good though. And um, I'll have I'll have uh, our I'll have my friend Kevin correct me on the pronunciation of that later. But um, so you were not there on Sunday. <laughs> I was not there on Sunday. I was. You were. So I'm gonna carry this. I'm gonna carry this show. You usually do. No. I'm um, just kidding, but uh, you know you read the manuscript and uh, you put together the life group questions. So you've been interacting with this, so it's not like you're totally in the dark. That's correct. Just like it's more like a gray area. Yeah, it's, it's like dusk, gray to darkish gray. Yeah, you know, somewhere in there. Yeah. So um, third letter back in our series. So we took you know a two week break on engage, and now we're back into our series, dear church. So. Um, what what stood out to you, Pastor Scott, from what you heard, read, and saw in Brad's manuscript about, uh, or even just as you read this passage, what kind of stood out to you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a bad way to start, isn't it? No. You know, this, this perspective, this is kind of a hard letter because you have um, the possibility of persec- real persecution taking place. Hmm. And so I don't think that's... Uh, that much of an anomaly at that time uh it's a little bit rare probably for us today now we know experience persecution yeah experience persecution real physical threats Mm, um in america in america it it can happen i mean like we have a pastor just released from turkey so we see it going around the world not so much here uh, but you have you have the witness here uh that ended up dying for his faith yeah so so there's a contrast between faithfulness and a contrast from kind of falling away and somewhat compromising. And, and I think that's kind of the, the area Pastor Brad was going with, that yeah. faithfulness and compromising. What are what are some tactics or what are some areas that compromise takes place? Do you, have you seen as a, a counselor for however many years you've been doing it now? Well, I think, I think you know, and these are kind of crazy. They sound like these biblically religious words. Yeah. But in the context of this passage— he kind of mentions kind of two areas, idolatry and immorality. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think their context obviously was very unique to, to religious practices. And so our culture it might not be so much, it, it's not like an overt religious practice where the, the culture is saying this is what you have to do to worship because, you know, people don't, don't think they're, they're religious in, in essence and that they don't worship, but they do. Uh, you know, that's where idolatry is anything that you serve or love. Uh, with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength is worship, right? Yeah. And so idolatry, idolatry kind of is part of the human existence, and 
and immorality are just things that God would say are, are wrong. Uh, I think that's the, the issue in this is what standard do you use to evaluate what's wrong from right? Hmm. And so in the case of this, you know, I found kind of interesting. There are a couple elements in this that, you know, we, we joke sometimes about it and we, and we talk about it a little bit. But in the background of multiple churches here, you've got this, this um, invisible personality that's behind the scenes there. And so you, you, you get an example of, of Satan actually influencing um, the church or people in the church there. And, you know, it's interesting when Jesus was ministering, yeah. he called Peter Satan, yeah. right? That'd be a bad day. That'd be a bad Peter. day when Jesus actually calls you, who, who you've already said you're not going to fall away, <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, that that he, he says, get behind me, Satan. And, and he, he wasn't saying he was Satan, but in essence... Um, Satan was involved in that conversation, and Peter wasn't aware of it. Hmm. And in addition, uh, Jesus said, P Peter, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. Hmm. And, you know, I've prayed for you, and, and so when you're restored and come back, you know, he, so he, so we, we Jesus is aware of Satan's existence. Yeah. Um, Do you think we are under-aware of Satan's existence? I think, we, I think we can elevate Satan and make him bigger that it, to some degree that this, this you know, we would say in... in maybe Eastern religions or, or worldviews, there's dualism, that God and Satan are equal powers yeah. and they're trying to balance out each other. That's clearly not what Scripture says. Yeah. Satan is a created being under the authority and, and sovereignty of God. Uh, but we can also diminish the existence of Satan and, and, and elevate human uh, accountability. So, so people are accountable for their actions. But there is clearly a prince of the power there, Ephesians 2 says, that's always at work in sons of disobedience. And so if we've got a text here in Revelation 2 of disobedience, right? You know in the background if, if somebody's disobeying the word, there has to be the prince of power error involved in that conversation. Well, you say that you have to know that because you're a doctor and you know that verse. But honestly, I think a lot of I think it's easy to lose sight of that. Like if, if I'm being very honest, like you may experience brokenness in some type of form and it may be me thinking it's just the brokenness of this world or my own flesh yep. um, but not not as often probably taking into account the spiritual component yeah. uh, that's there so you said something interesting so I want to kind of go back and drill down on it a little bit you said that Satan's a created being under the authority and sovereignty of God and we see in the book of Job uh, if you're not familiar with it um, we well you are but if you're listening, if you're not familiar with it. Where is that? <laughs> the the job, that one that says job. Uh, he, he, uh, he comes to God, Satan does, and asks God's permission to, I don't know, mess with Job's life, yeah. basically. Yeah. I don't know if the Bible gives us an answer to this, so I'm going to throw you a curveball. <laughs> um, does Satan have to do that for every single like area that he gets involved with, do you think? Um. We know he's under God's authority, obviously, yeah. and sovereignty. I don't know if that's the case in every case because I'm I'm going to speak from Scripture. You know, we go back this often. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to lean sure. on my own understanding. We we know in Job's <laughs> case, right? We know that Satan asked for permission to sift Peter. Okay. Yeah. We know Paul says that 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 a messenger of Satan has been tormenting him. Yeah. How he knew that exactly, I don't know. So. It, he, Paul doesn't say, God, why'd you give him permission? Paul would have known Job, right, and been familiar with probably Peter's example as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I can't say definitively that every time that's the, that's the case there. Um, we, don't, we don't see that in Genesis. 
Mm-hmm. We don't we don't know if if God gave say hey have that Adam and Eve right? right. So I think there is an element that at least we understand that nothing happens in God's created world uh, apart from His knowledge and His allowance of it, right? Yeah. Because that's what sovereignty means that He yeah. is controlling and allowing, and so that that's comforting to know that at least God is aware of what's going on and, and ultimately in charge of what's going on. It's comforting. But at the same time, when you look around and see the brokenness, despair, and pain in this world, it can be, I don't know, perhaps disheartening yeah. as well, knowing that God is totally capable and in control, yet allowing yep. um, and not causing. And those are just distinctions sure. on those two words, you know. So um, that kind of leads me to another, I don't know, idea I had. So as we're thinking talking about Satan at play, what does it mean for us? practically like should we do something with that knowledge or do we just need to be aware that it's at play or or is there a certain type of response that's expected out of us based off of um based off of what we're talking about does that make sense it does make sense and as you're saying i was just thinking um not sure where you're going to go but while he's looking up this verse why don't you go ahead and hit that little share button if you're on (laughs) facebook Get the word out. So, okay, go ahead. So, so I'm thinking, look, if I wanted to think about a practical way to deal with this, right, yeah. um, I would probably go to somebody who's felt the effects of, of Satan. Okay. And, and that would be Peter. Yeah. Okay. So when we get to First Peter, at the very end of Peter, he's talking about, he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So he recognizes whose, whose hand is over everything, right? Yep. And he says, says that God's in control. Yeah, God's in control that he may exalt you at the proper time because Peter exalted himself and, and was unaware of his ability or inability to stand up under the kind of pressure that was going to come his way. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, which will come up in your thing this week, <laughs> your youth uh, uh, talks. Uh, and he says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. So be sober, be aware, be, be consciously aware. And be on alert, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So there's a, there's a, the sense that in this world we live in with this brokenness, that there is a spiritual dimension that we can't see at play. And Paul says we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and dark, you know, Ephesians 6 essentially. So, yeah. so an awareness that there is more going on than what we can see with our physical eyes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so I, like, I, like we think about people, okay, so, so my body can cause suffering, right? Relationships in my, my life can cause suffering. Um, other people can sin against me and, and cause suffering, you know, in that regard. Work and all these different realms. God's the ultimate environment that, that there's nowhere we can go that God's not present. But ultimately, even within when we think about these concentric circles around us that we live, if we were just trying to draw circles around ourselves and say, these are all things that influence me and are part of this world, Satan would be one of those ones that's always uh, in the world, not necessarily always at play in us, but he's always his influence is always in the world, um, but it's within the, the circle of God's sovereignty as well. God's circle is bigger. God's circle is everything because Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your presence, O Lord? Yeah. He takes you up to the highest heavens and down the bottom of the depths of the sea, and he says, You're there. Yeah. So Satan's, can't, Satan's not omnipresent, right. but there's just this awareness that there is, this is a world that is fallen. Um, this is a world that our first two human beings that were here that were able to function normally, at least at one time, fell to his craftiness, right? Yep. And so we've got to be aware that, that there is a prince of the power of the air that is, that is ultimately his goal is to get us to turn away from trusting God and to disobey God. So awareness, but 
is it just simply being aware? And so then that way we're we're uh, aware, but does that does that give us any tangible like kind of action steps to do as a result of that, or just like hey, keep an eye out? Keep an eye out. You can't see him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say um, from a regard to this passage specifically we had here, um, his strategy hasn't changed a whole lot. I mean, compromise has always been a part of it. And, and I think if you start with Genesis, you will see his hand in lots of places. One, um, he says, has God really said? So, so doubt the, uh, the authenticity of God's word and the authority of God's word and the sufficiency of God's word. And, and ultimately, he's always questioning God's word, whether it's dependable and whether God's really good. Mm-hmm. So it's always about his character because, you know, the reason God doesn't want you to eat from this tree is because he's holding out something better for you. Mm-hmm. And so his tactics, even though it's as clear there as anywhere, it seems to be even the case in Revelation. It was a teaching that moved him away from trusting God and being faithful to God. Mm -hmm. And so I think being aware of his schemes and how do we become aware of his schemes? If we can't see him and he's invisible and there's a spiritual force out there, well, the only way we can do is what we say every week is the more I know the word of God and understand how he in history has hurt the church and hurt Israel, mm-hmm. you know, and their relationship yeah. with God, the covenant relationship they have with God, the better I'll be aware to be alert and, and, and on guard, right? So, yes. So, he's not omnipresent. You said that. So, I would assume he's also not omniscient. Yep. Right? Um, and so, in that case, I think one of the craftiest things he does is he attacks us as humans and you know, even you look at like Adam and Eve, and and or I guess Eve in that specific case, attacks a very weak spot in her, in her character, I guess, uh, and kind of taps into her desire to want to be greater, and yeah. be like be like God. And so, if he's not omniscient, how does he know how to play? So like at such a like he always it seems like he always tempts or he always hits at a core. And very deep, like personal space yep. inside of us or whatever. Um, yeah, he doesn't know it all. Yeah, I, I mean, other from Genesis, we don't have a whole lot of recollection there. But I mean, we know he's aware of what's going on. We know he came to Jesus, and he t- specifically tempted Jesus in certain ways. Um, yeah, that's a great example. So when Jesus is in the wilderness, he's hungry. He tempts he's him hungry. With- and think about it. One thing people are aware of normally, and that's why the Bible says this is a, it, it's a, it, even in Proverbs, one of the key motivating factors to work and, and, and doing things the right way is because people don't want to be hungry. Mm-hmm. So there's this instinct inside of this, this, this uh, biological desire there, or part of our physical makeup, that we want food, right? Yeah. And so when Jesus says, you know, blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness, I mean, we know what it's like to be really thirsty and really hungry. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, when does he come? He comes to Jesus in one of his weakest physical points. And, and comes at him and, and tries to tempt him with food. Yeah. And, hey, make yourself greater. So some of these, what I would say, desires that people have, that the, the world around us classifies them as needs, which I don't think is necessarily true. They, they, they are to some degree. Satan seems to be aware of that, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, People want security. People don't want to be hungry, and they don't want to be thirsty. They want sur- to survive. Yeah. So you would think that when God comes to them and says, hey, if you eat from this, you'll die, that they would have been doing exactly the opposite. But, but something within them, like you said, that desire to be independent of God, and I think that's the biggest thing, that I can exist independently from what God has said 
I need the most, his word, to trust his word, right? Yeah. And, th and that's what Jesus said. Jesus actually captures what, what um, God said to the Israelites, that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't think people really believe that. <laughs> I don't think people believe that the, net, the need for this word is more significant than my need for food. Yeah. And, and they, because they sense the need for food for their physical survival, but they don't realize that eternal survival is even more important than physical survival. Yeah, I mean, I guess you feel it physically, yeah. like in your body when you're hungry, but... Or pain. Yeah. I mean, or, we like comfort, we hate pain. Yeah. But spiritually, as that slow burn, that slow, like, deterioration, you don't feel it. It's, yeah. like, it's like when you're on the ocean, you know, and you're out playing... And then you look up and your towel has drifted from here to here, but your towel hasn't drifted. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> that shifty sand. Yep. No, but it's just, it's us out there. And that's, I mean, that's kind of how I think it is sometimes spiritually. Yep. But that's, it's really good. Um, just a reminder that as Jesus even himself said, like, we don't depend on food. We depend on yep. on God's word. So, And we lean to Jesus as our example. He was faithful, right? Yeah. And we have examples here of faithfulness. We don't want, we don't want to. We don't want to make Satan bigger than God's power, right? Yeah, for sure. So, so in, in, in essence, God has given us His Spirit um, who enabled Jesus to live faithfully. Yep. Okay? He's given us a new heart. He's given us His Word. And He's given us each other. Yeah. And so they, they seem like they're simplistic answers. They're not. Is is God has given us everything for life and godliness. Yeah. That doesn't mean we're always going to faithfully live that out, but He has. He's, his Word, and see, once again, we have to, we have to deviate from His Word to say that we don't have what it takes. Right. We don't in ourselves have what it takes, but He's given us what is necessary to live faithfully to Him and bring pleasure to Him in this world. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, His Word, His Spirit, His body, His people, yep. um, relationships. Yeah, so all kinds of good stuff. Um, before we wrap up, any, uh, any other kind of thoughts from this passage? I mean, we, we did definitely kind of go off script of you know, where Brad was, but that's okay. We want to kind of... We're hopefully trying to take a little bit of a different angle every week. We don't want to just be a rehash of the sermon. Sure. So any other ideas that you had that we didn't really touch on? Well, I think I think Brad and and I would encourage people to go back and look. It's a way to kind of evaluate what's what's helpful. Yeah. Because um, we've got relationships and and conduct and all kinds of things that are that are in this passage there. Um, where if if somebody's teaching you something. You want to make sure that you evaluate it biblically, and Brad gave a list of criteria there to kind of to evaluate. Yeah. Um, and so, if they if they uh, want to go online and, and listen to that message again, or if they didn't get it Sunday, he's clearly he has that laid out. We, we can send the manuscript as well. Yeah. Um, in fact, let me share it real quickly, just just in case people don't have a chance to get that. Uh, you know, he's talking about just thinking about five questions to avoid compromise. Does the Bible clearly speak against it? And I would say, does the Bible prohibit it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Have I sought godly counsel about it? That's pretty important, right? Um, does wisdom caution to avoid it? Can I do it in faith? And does it move me closer to Christ? So those are kind of good starting points there. But yeah. um, and, and the scripture will allow you to build on, even more on that. So good place to kind of go to be faithful. Yep. Cool. Well, hey, I hope that you have a great week. I hope that you are uh, jumping in and involved in a life group, unpacking this uh, again at another deeper level and most importantly at an application level yep. don't just be hearers of the word uh, but we want to be doers as well so uh, hopefully your group is helping spur you on into that as well um, just a reminder that we have our holiday uh, giving opportunities available for you and so I think we had like 200 boxes available on Sunday and uh, over 100 of them were taken 
So um, that's awesome. How many exactly? 75 left. There's 75 left. So yeah, so 125 were taken. So nice job, church, but there's still some here on Sunday uh, or Wednesday whenever you're here. So pick some up so that you can give and be generous as we lead into the holidays. But until next time, we'll see you next week at Tuesday at 2. Tuesday at 2. All right. (laughs) I think so.